1: or even if they don't. Today is September 7th, 2016. This is episode 1865 of the Survival Podcast. It is a Wednesday. On Wednesdays, we do interviews. Today's interview is with a returning guest. You guys heard him on the show a long time ago. Many of you have heard of him. If you're in the homesteading world, you probably have heard of him. Uh, Though if you were in the homesteading world two and a half years ago... Didn't know who the heck he was. He came out of nowhere through Kickstarter with a with a DVD called Permaculture Chickens. His name is Justin Rhodes, and he is really a great dude. Since releasing Permaculture Chickens, he's continued his work in refining the things on his homestead to produce his own food from chickens and other things. And he's here today to talk to us about a new concept he's calling the 10-hour homestead. I'm sure he's taking a little bit of literary license there from uh, Tim Ferriss. But the whole point is to reduce the amount of work you have to do in return for the yields you get and reduce the amount of expense you have to put in in return for the yield you get. So spend less money, spend less time, and get more food and supplies from your homestead operations. He'll be with us in just a minute to talk about that. Before we do, let's go ahead and uh, hear from our two sponsors of the day. Hey, if, if you're like me, you know what a gun without ammo is. We call that an overpriced club. That's why I go to BulkAmmo.com and keep a good stockpile of ammo for all my guns at all times. And it isn't just great price and availability that keeps me going back for more. Nope, it's lightning fast shipping and exceptional service. Give BulkAmmo.com a shot and I promise they won't let you down. Hey, guys, you know I've always been a fan of Backwoods Home Magazine. Well, how about this? How about Self-Reliance Magazine from the same people that brought you Backwoods Home? Many of you know I've been a Backwoods Home subscriber for over 20 years. Dave Duffy and the crew over there have brought out a new magazine simply called Self-Reliance Magazine. It's at self-reliance.com online, and you can learn more about it by the link in today's show notes. But it's amazing. Just take Backwoods Home up the production value, take out all the politics, and go 100% hardcore homesteading, self-reliance, self-sufficiency. And that's what you get in Self-Reliance Magazine. Check them out today, self-reliance.com. Next up, let's take a look at the year that was the episode. The episode is 1865, so we are in the year 1865. We have three from Alex Shrug today. We have the Confederate Surrender. We have With Malice Toward None or maybe just one, we have George Washington Reaches Godhood. I'm not going to read that one, but you might want to read that. There's a an eeriness to this, this almost worship of the founding father, George Washington, that has occurred with what's called the Apothesis of Washington in Washington, D.C. And in other news, Lewis Carroll publishes Alice in Wonderland. Some people look for a deeper meaning, but it's just a lot of fun until... The 70s in LSD. Um, the Hatfields and McCoys begin their feud. Asa uh, so McCoy is murdered while coming home from a war. A uh, Hatfield is suspected. It goes on from there. Years later, in 1979, the Hatfields and McCoys meet their final challenge on the TV game show Family Feud. The Hatfields win. And Confederate gold and jewels are missing. They had a guess, call it $19 million modern dollars, but in the closing days of the war, a lot goes missing bit by bit. No doubt to keep it safe for the Confe- by the Confederate Knights of the Golden Circle for the day when the South will rise again, or not. There's a rumor that an empty grave is now filled, uh, but not with a body. There's lots of rumors like that about treasures, are there not? My best guess would be it all went places and was exchanged for cash and stuff because the South was pretty well... Obliterated by the end of the Civil War. Anyway, the Confederate surrender is what I'm going to read. The war between the states is rolling to an end. Louisiana and Arkansas have retired from the field. General Sherman has turned Georgia into a smoking ruin. President Davis has skipped town with the Treasury and hoped the South will rise again. We know how that turns out. The Siege of Petersburg is really a siege of Risman, the capital of the Confederacy. Petersburg serves as a supply nexus for the region is defended by a minimal number of the Confederates, so clearly Lee was not expecting Union forces to come calling there. After several months of siege and trench warfare, Union forces break through and scatter Lee's forces. Lee moves west toward Apodomix Station to meet a train supply. Grant's forces cut him off in an amazing 21-hour march by infantry to support the Union cavalry. Lee's army is done. Lee chooses to surrender at a small courthouse at Apodomix General Grant's terms are generous. Every Confederate officer shall take the oath of parole, but keep his sidearm and his personal horse and luggage. What is implied that officers will not be tried for treason and they will have a horse to plough their fields and feed their families. The troops will take a similar oath, other weapons will be stacked and stowed. Grant offers also supplies rations to get them home. As predicted, once General Lee surrenders, the Confederate army surrender to, dear God it's over it's all over, isn't it? No, not all of it. My take by Alex Shrug, here we are, years distant and sitting in judgment, what shall we say? Certainly the fighting between the armies was over, but the bullets kept flying here and there. Gun control was a reaction to ex-slaves owning guns. Goodness, we can't have that. Literacy tests excluded ex-slaves from voting since they were never taught to read and write. New York finally gave up on literacy tests in 1966. Sometimes I wish for a minimal test for voting competency. Get two of three questions right. Who's president? Who's your congressman? And where does the money come from to fund welfare? Obama's stash is not a reasonable answer. Ex-slave initially joined the Republican Party, but years later switched to Democrats, the party of the KKK. It happened in the early 1900s when both parties stunk to high heaven. Darwinian eugenics was in full swing, but if you voted Democrat, they promised you stuff. Might minority still sold their souls, and now they're having trouble getting them back. Republicans are no prize anymore, but when I look at the Libertarian candidate, I wonder, is he baked? He looks baked, and he says very few things I would call Libertarian. I'm not asking for perfection, but I would like us to put down our weapons occasionally and talk to each other like adults. Yes, that would ease my soul. Yeah, and Gary Johnson there, I I, I don't know if he's baked or not. He's He's been baked plenty of times in his life. I don't actually have a problem with that. I have a problem with a Libertarian that's not a Libertarian, Um when I hear, you know, a supposed libertarian talking about climate change taxes, and uh, when I hear a supposed libertarian talking about gun control, I, I'm like, that's that's not even a Republican in, in name only, or let alone a libert a Lino, right? Uh, I, I think the guy's just bored with his ex career as a governor and wants something to do, honestly. Uh, but I want to talk about the Civil War for a minute because we've come to the the end of the war itself. The, we will, I'm sure, hear many things about Reconstruction and a lot of things that happened, especially over the next 10 years. It took longer than that, but the next 10 years are really far more t- tumultuous than the history books would lead you to believe. But one thing I would recommend if you want to get a really good look at the Civil War, and it's an old series, a very old series. So the production value is 1980s television, okay? So it's, it's not the highest production value. But it is a pretty good telling of what it was like to be in this country during the Civil War and either be part of it or be part of it because it's going on around you, whether you were a soldier or not. Um, and you will see some pretty graphic stuff from the siege. Um, you, you know, there's toward the end of the series, there's, uh, a point where they're trying to get a message to somebody on the other side and you see the way the siege is and how people are trying to survive. Um, I really recommend maybe you take a look at that. It's available on Amazon uh, as download or DVDs. I think I got my copy one time. We were getting an ice storm and I was at the grocery store. And they had it in like the discount, like five buck thing for the whole series. And I I got it there and it was something we, you know, I I probably watch once every two or three years. Uh, but it's, it's pretty good. And I think it's an important thing to understand the mentality of the people. Um, there's also a book that you can get that's extremely valuable, I think, to preppers in regards to the Civil War. It's called Earthsats and the Confederacy. Earthsats is something we don't use that word today, but it basically means a replacement. So. The South was really cut off from supplies in a big way, uh, especially after a couple of years into the Civil War. It was one of the, the Union's main strategies, is to remain well supplied and choke off the, the supplies of the South. And people in the South got very creative with how they did, did more with less. So, it's really an interesting book. It's a little bit of a dry reading book, but it's, it's very, very interesting. Ersatz and the Confederacy. I will have a link in the show notes about the Blue of the Gray and Ersatz and the Confederacy today. But with that knocked out, let's, uh, let's get into our main topic today. Justin Rhodes is gonna be with us. He's a edutainer. Currently creating uh, daily homestead vlogs on YouTube. He runs an online business, AbundantPermaculture.com, teaching folks how to grow their own food, mainly chicken and vegetables, with permaculture. He's here today to talk to us about the concept of the 10-hour homestead. And With that, hey, Justin, man, welcome back to the Survival Podcast.
2: Thank you. It's so good to be back.
1: Justin, I'm glad to have you on, man. Um, I, I remember when you came out with Permaculture Chickens DVD on Kickstarter and it fully funded and like you kind of went from being like somebody nobody knew to, you know, doing this really great work that so many people benefited from really fast. But, uh, can we kind of even go back a little bit before that for people that haven't heard of you or haven't heard you on the air here before? Kind of what's your background? How did you get into doing what you're doing in the first place?
2: Yeah, I'm kind of like that, uh, I think there was a book. It was called I think it was 365 days to the overnight success story. It was I'm pretty much the 10 years to the overnight success story. I've been, uh, we, you know, we got into sustainable farming or growing food for ourselves, whatever you want to call it, permaculture. When we our journey began, when we got a conviction to start eating better, and and for us that meant a lot of vegetables, a lot of meat. And then transitioning into organics and that, that kind of stuff is expensive. (laughs) But that's also this, I, I, I I started to realize, hey, this is, this stuff's expensive, but this is also stuff we can grow relatively easy on our own farm. You know, it's hard to grow pasta, if you know what I'm saying, but it's not too hard to grow your own beef, if you have the acreage to grow your own beef, to grow your own, certainly to grow your own vegetables and chicken meat and eggs. And so really it, it came out of a, uh, Hey, we got to eat healthier. Oh wait, we can do this a lot cheaper if we do this ourselves. And then, uh, venturing down that road, you just seem to get deeper, deeper into a journey. And that's when we ended up getting into permaculture, which was a couple years before I launched that movie, but then gotten, got ill with chronic Lyme disease. And, and the things that I was doing for my career wasn't working out anymore. And I needed a career shift. And I'm like, you know, I went I, I made a big move. You know, put all I had into going into Jeff Lawton's uh, permaculture design certificate all the way in Australia. You couldn't get any farther from North Carolina than Australia, <laughs> and uh, just put it all on the line there for a new career. And I didn't necessarily know what it was going there, but it was interesting when I was there. You know, it's kind of an idea to go and be a permaculture designer as a consultant. And I went away and even wrote a business plan on the way home. And then just came to realize and consulted with some local guys here. And it's like, no, I don't need to do one-on-one. I, <laughs> you know, I'm better in front of an audience. I, I'm just not good at that one-on-one stuff. And so I, when I was out of Australia, I saw the movie Permaculture Orchard. And it was so beautifully put together. It's like this instructional video that was actually beautiful and somewhat entertaining, as entertaining as an instructional video can be. And I was like, I, I got to do this. And what do I know best? I knew chickens because I'd been doing chickens for for out for the whole 10 years and I had been doing some pretty creative and 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 adventuresome stuff with them and so I was like okay let's let's make a movie about raising chickens in a really creative work with nature kind of way
1: yeah and you had a really big kind of success with that I think it was a success that almost uh, buried you initially but uh you've been able to, to to pull up out of that and uh You've been able to basically build a, a a part-time business working about 20 hours a week and provide you know an income for your family. What's made that possible?
2: I think well the internet. Oh my gosh, <laughs> the, the, if there's one thing, it's the power of the internet. We live in such a, an amazing age because I think we talked about this a little bit on our last the last podcast with you. But it's like we you know you're raising the ducks and you're promoting other things, but this 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 is ancient stuff like a ducks a duck a chickens a chicken. And I'm teaching these concepts, but I'm using the power of technology to reach the world. I mean, when I went out, when I set out to do this and to create a chicken movie, I told my dad about it, and he's like 84 years old. He doesn't even have an email. He's like, nobody's interested. You know, you're not going to sell that many movies around here. (laughs) And he was right. I didn't sell many around here. I might have sold five in this county, but we've sold probably up to 3,000, and they're all and they're and they're going all over the world. I mean I'm looking up here at my map and I'm pretty sure we're in every continent. <laughs> so that's what makes it possible uh and then the just the internet and the reach of it. I mean we're talking about billions of people you can have this crazy niche. Like this is not just growing food. This is chickens and it's not just chickens, it's like uh natural chickens and it's not even keeping chickens natural, it's like permaculture chickens. I mean how how much more niche can you get? But I've been able to you know create a Full time living off of that and really only working 20 hours a week and that being very distracted. I have four kids. They're all home. They're all home. And it was, it was quite the go. I can't believe that my wife and I pulled it off. And there are all kinds of tools uh, on the internet available. I mean, if you want me to go into that, we can, but, um, just the, the, the sheer power, just the ability to nicheify. And uh just the resources that are available. You don't know how to do something. Jack, like everything the way I learned and taught myself how to do this was go to the library. At first it was a mentor recommending the four-hour work week, went to the library, got the four-hour work week by Tim Ferriss, gleaned what I could from that, read his blog, gleaned what I could from that. To do a Kickstarter, you know what I did, Jack? I, I went to the library and bought and, and rented a book on Kickstarter, on how to succeed on Kickstarter, and then I I went to the Four Hour Work Week blog, picked out an article there on how to do it, and then I found one other article, and I blended all three of those articles, and 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 did it. So if there's a bay, it, it, without if you want to, we can get into specific strategies. But the overall core was that you don't know how to do something, find three sources of somebody who's already done it before, and blend it together to mission may, and make it fit into your industry.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And let's let's talk about 4-hour work week for a minute there before we move on to some yeah. stuff you're doing now because I think that's an incredible book, but I I'm I'm glad to hear you put it in that context of okay, go do this, then get this piece, then get that piece and put it together. Cuz one of the things I always try to reinforce when I recommend that somebody read 4-hour work week is it is not a blueprint for your business. Because there's strategies in 4-hour work week that I'm not employing even though they're valid they're not valid for me in other words, I'll bet that Justin Rhodes does not have somebody in Delhi uh doing his <laughs> email support the way Tim Ferriss recommended in that book because right. that piece no, didn't really fit, that. right that doesn't fit for you, and they can't be your personality right that's your 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 brand is a lot like mine you're marketing not just the product but yourself and your lifestyle and and your your personality right so that doesn't work for you but what I got from four hour work week was a, and I was already like big time into the entrepreneur world, but a total shift in the process of the thinking of business operations. And to gotcha. be like when, like you might read it and you're, have these eight big takeaways and I might read, it, I might, like, might have, t- you know, eight other really big takeaways that are totally diverged from each other. And then it's up to us yeah. to take that information and marry it with other information to make it work for us.
2: Yes, almost. If you if you follow it to the t- okay, I, I laugh when you said that because I actually tried uh outsourcing in India. It was like the <laughs> freelancer or something like that. Yeah, not even than that because I I had done a drop shipping business way back in the day, like AOL days, and I knew that wasn't going to work out. But I I, I hired it from our, my first website, and we're like, okay, we like we we like how the Permaculture, uh, orchard website looks like, let's, you know, it just wasn't working out. There was some cultural differences, you know, you get what you pay for too, type of yep. thing. And I laughed because, but it was, it was minor. I think I might have spent $200, but I ended up getting that money back. So thank goodness, but it was <laughs> like test a little bit and go for it. But the overall takeaways from that book that I think anybody can take away and that I took away was that for me, it's creating something of knowledge, like, uh, creating a business around not sell, selling knowledge, selling how to. And that's, that's, I took away that. Like, it, I didn't set out for it to be amused. I didn't set out for the four hour work week. I just knew I needed a career shift. I knew I had a little amount of time, a little amount of money. And so I said, okay, I know chickens. Let's create a video and a companion ebook. That's classic, uh, a recommendation from that book. You know, some yeah. of the strategies, <laughs> testing price and whatnot. And another way, you know, he 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 tries to tell you to validate, and he tells you in certain ways. And I didn't do that; it seemed a little shady. But I did validate with Kickstarter.
1: Sure, sure. So no risk? Does it work? And, and then if you, the yeah. thing with Kickstarter, if you get traction, you you. So like Kickstarter is like a well. You got to dump a whole bunch of water into prime it to get it going. But if you get it yeah. going, and that's why I think people think they're going to put a Kickstarter out; and it's just going to fund. It doesn't work that way. You have to bring like. I would say you need to think you can hit at least half your goal without them, like is a good metric. But if you dump that in really fast and you get that fast out of the yeah. gate effect, then you get that broader exposure to the whole Kickstarter community and then it's an incredible tool. Um, but I, I laugh when you said muse because I was thinking of that word. And for those that haven't read the book, like the muse is like if you can set up one business revenue unit, one system, one something, that pays your basic expenses in life, then you are completely free to do anything else that you want. And that to me was like, so if I build this podcast where it makes me 50 grand a year, you know, just that, yeah. then I can do whatever I want with it. So that was my, my first goal out of my podcast to, to get it up to about a $50,000 in, in revenue. And once you kind of get that, it's like, well, I can't have everything I want, but I can have anything I need. And then you have this freedom and then you can just let your creativity flow and do all the things you really dream of. Yes. So you are now, I guess you're kind of taking a little bit of a literary license from Tim and you're coming up with something you're calling, you're taking permaculture chickens and spinning it into a course called the 10 hour homestead, right? So what is that and how did that come about?
2: Well, we launched that. That's over. We launched it. It did well. It didn't do as well as permaculture chickens, I think, because people already have permaculture chickens, and it was a lot of that. But what it became was, okay, we had permaculture chickens. It's on chickens. Can can I expand a little bit uh, into the homestead world? Because chickens are the gateway into that, so it makes sense that that was my first or for a lot of people, chickens are. And in my mm-hmm. opinion, they're easier than gardening. Um, so that what is the next step? And so in the next step, and somebody progressing and growing their own food, well, then maybe it's going into more gardening. I'm really good at chickens. I'm okay at gardening. So we expand into that. Um, but also included the permaculture concept. So we delve more into permaculture and making design. And then we delve more into gardening. And then we delve more into making it all work together. I think people with courses also uh, – our hope was we would create a lot more value there, maybe not as high-end production. Like if you see Permaculture Chickens, that's with like a 4K camera. That's like some of the same cameras they use in, in creating film films, you know what I'm sure. saying? So It's not a movie like to associate a value with movie like you can buy the Lord of the Rings at Walmart for nine (laughs) dollars. It's like this masterpiece.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) But people are going into tens of thousands of dollars into debt to go to college. So there's associated value with course. And we feel that if you the more money you put into something, too, the more you invest in it, the more you're actually likely to actually take action on it. I mean. And some people, you know, I got some hard of a time for not a lot, like, cause once people get permaculture chicken and they get inside, it's well worth it. And if they implement it, they're going to get like 10 times their money. Sure. But people who didn't dive in, you know, it's too much because the starting point was $50. But you got a two and a half hour movie that would tell you everything, literally everything plus some, all you need to know for raising chickens in two and a half hours. I mean, one evening you're a chicken master.
1: Well, and then it, then it, let's talk about that a second there, because there is isn't a, a problem that people have with associative value. You're dead on about that. Like, first they I not understand, yes, you can buy Lord of the Rings on DVD today for ten, DVD today for ten bucks. That's because they sold like eight hundred million dollars in the box office, yes. and then they initially released it at like sixty bucks, and now it's like software, like ten bucks a, a, a thing. It's like, like printing money with it. So they, they've, they've gotten that return. But the other thing is like what you just said, so like two and a half hours, and you can review it multiple times. So if somebody said to me, Jack, you know ducks the way Justin knows chickens, right? Yeah. I want you to come spend two and a half hours with me and consult with me on my property and tell me everything I need to do to run ducks on my property. Yeah. I'm sorry. You don't have the money to get me to do that. No. You, I, I have a life. I have a job to do, whatever. But I can build a course and take the time that it would take me to do that maybe for 20 people. But now I can provide that information to 2,000 or 20,000 people
2: Yeah, totally. It's like they weren't, you know. It's it's, but it's the value because it's like the movie is nine bucks at Walmart, but Porsche has a little bit more associated value for whatever reason because of this culture. Yeah, and like what you're saying, where if you have to get me one on one, and if if somebody was have to get you one on one, we probably don't want to insult them by what we have to charge because of what we're capable of working on something else as far as bringing in money.
1: And that's why I don't want to do it because I actually feel bad. I'm like, there's plenty of ways you can learn what I would give you. What I have to charge you isn't so much because it's that hard for me to do. Uh, or because I'm like, you know, a super duck Jedi or something like that. The, the, the reason I had, would have to charge you that is because you're pulling me out of my main business, right? So now I'm leaving yeah. my farm. I'm leaving my homestead. I'm leaving my business and I have to give that up. And then my other thing is from a consultant standpoint, there are people that want to be consultants. You clearly aren't one of them and I'm clearly not one of them, right? So when I, ta- if I take, if I'm taking consulting business, I'm taking business I don't want from somebody who needs it and does want it. So I try to, refer, when it, somebody's dead set on it, I try to refer that out.
2: Exactly. And then, you know, I'm thinking, yeah, I learned that lesson when I was going to go do one-on-one. I was like, wait a minute. I had some soul searching. I don't really like one-on-one. No, like, you know, it's not, it's not what I identify as successful. And, and it's not what creates a happy life for me. I also have a family to balance and stuff like that too. And it's not necessarily what I'm best at. Like I can do, but like you're saying, totally. But I'm best at creating content in the form of video. You're best at creating podcasts and whatever else you do.
1: Yep, yeah, definitely. So you, now the title of your course, right? Working less than ten hours a week, is it really possible to grow most of your food with that kind of a time budget?
2: I think you have to, Jack, because early on, after I started building an audience, I I started surveying and getting emails from people. And I found out that most people have to do it on ten hours a ten hours or less a week because they have jobs. Like they're working nine to five jobs. And if you think about it, I think anybody can commit to an hour a day. You worked hard. You want to get outside. Maybe cancel your gym membership. Work outside in the garden or on your chickens or on your ducks, whatever. And then everybody's got some time on the weekend, hopefully, and that could be for a bigger project. And so that comes to about 10 hours. So I, I, literally, I literally paid attention to how much time I was spending. I also checked myself, see how much food I can grow in just a 100 days on less than 10 hours a week. Mind you. And really, um, some of the methods I use and teach, you can totally do that. And I think you, in this world, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning toward most people are going to totally have to do that because they're not in a position to just up and quit and have a cottage business off of their homestead at least right off the get go anyway
1: yeah definitely i think it's one of those things that you everybody can do it but not everybody's going to do it right because it's people always look at it you talked about you know the the 365 day overnight success right Like people always look at what you're doing when you've got something like this running and going, wow, it's great, you know, and you know it must be nice or whatever. But it's 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 so much incredible dedication and work it takes, as you know, to get to that point. That I don't think many people are either willing to do it or they're not willing to take the risk to do it because it's not without risk. Or they just don't want that type of a life. They, they, there are people that like jobs and, and thank God for them, right? I mean, we need people to do stuff at least until the robots completely take over, right? So it, it's something everybody could do, but so few people are going to that you're right. People need a kind of a time limit. I think back to before I was doing what I'm yeah. doing now, I would come home every night and I would spend about an hour in my backyard with my garden and all my, you know, all my little mini homesteading stuff. So you're looking at you know five yeah. hours a week right there and maybe a couple hours each day on the weekend. That's 10 hours. And that's what you – and that's you do it. It because that's what you have.
2: Exactly. If you commit to that and say, hey, even if you don't know anything, if you don't have anything planted, you don't even have a seed in a pot, you can say, I'm going to commit 10 hours a week. I don't even know what I'm going to do. I don't even know where to start. Well, guess what? Early on, that first hour, on that first day, you're going to be doing a little bit of research. But hopefully you don't get caught up in that because what I see is a lot of analysis paralysis and people want to study. That's the easy and the fun part sort of, you know, and and then – but they never end up doing anything. So it's just like I encourage people, learn one thing and then just go do it and you've done that. Just keep on going. And if you've committed, say, like you would a gym membership or something like that, you're good. You're golden. You're going to – You just keep planting seeds. Just keep getting chicks. And uh, you're going to get to where I am. And it's not like where you or I are, we don't make any mistakes, you know?
1: Yeah, you know, no, I still make mistakes. It, it, it's, an ongoing, right. it's an ongoing learning process, you know. You One day you go out and you have new baby ducklings being born. And, gee, you didn't think you could have crested ducks without having crested ducks. But now you've got crested ducklings. And now you've got genes you've got to call out because if they reproduce, everything's going to die in yeah. the egg. I didn't know that till this year. Right. And and it was yeah. like it made no sense to me because I knew reptile genetics and like, OK, then this 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 must be a a recessive trait. No, it's a dominant trait. Well, how can it be a dominant trait not be expressed? Like, I know I'm getting genetics there, but I'm just like, that's how stuff. But what I want to kind of add to that is so what? Right. Like, well, I remember when I got my first chickens and I grew up with chickens from, you know, my grandparents having them, but I didn't really know everything. I knew you went out and fed them and we had chickens. So when I first got here and decided to get some chickens, I was like, man, I want to make sure I do everything right. Well, in the end, I went down to Tractor Supply, probably not the best source, but they were there. They had some chickens. I bought a dozen chickens. I brought them home. I slapped together a brooder based on what YouTube called me. And next thing you know, I had chickens. And they all made it. And you know, six months later, I got (laughs) the the most expensive egg you'll ever produce, the first one. And then I was hooked. That's right. I'm like, this is so much easier than growing zucchini and tomatoes. It really is. I mean, they they kind of, as long as you give them water and food, they're, they're good to go. Yeah. I'm
2: pretty sure I'm going to stick with animals as my specialty because it's so easy and filling.
1: Well, um, can you kind of hear about some of the strategies you've used? Because I know you've like driven your feed cost to almost nothing. I think that's something people will be really interested in hearing about.
2: Yeah. Now, um, you want to hear the feed, feed cost strategies or some of the, the, tricks to keeping it at 10 hours a week and producing like i I produce 75 percent of our own food so
1: start with the 10 hours hours a week and then we can talk about feed
2: (laughs) okay i think the tricks listen i think chickens are a big part of that trick that's one of the tricks okay so if you have a you want to grow a garden and you, you have a limited amount of time well there's a lot of work that goes into the garden as far as fertilizing and tilling and prepping the soil and 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 that kind of thing, debugging it. Well, the chickens will do all of them while you're busy at your job. They love it from dawn till dusk. We just went through Labor Day. They didn't stop. I tried to tell them, take a break, rest. They wouldn't do it. And they don't care for Christmas or New Year. They keep going. It's what they love to do and it's what they thrive doing. So let them put them in an area you want to garden. They naturally, a chicken, one chicken will till 50 square feet. In about four to eight weeks, depending on how difficult the saw is, right? So they're in there, they're tilling, they're fertilizing, they're getting it, they're decimating the bug population. While they're doing that, you're throwing in a little bit of mulch because nature's modest. She don't want to be naked. She'll dress herself if you don't dress her and you better put some mulch on there or something like that or else she's going to grow. Wild. She's wild and crazy and put on some of those wild and crazy weeds. So. You're you're mulching a little bit while the chickens are in there. That way you don't lose lose the manure and, and rain runoff, you know. Yep. And so, what the chickens are doing that, though, here's the trick. While the chickens are doing that, you plant seeds in a slap together greenhouse or like I, I did. I, I slapped together a greenhouse in a half a day, um, and it was just a frame, scrap lumber, used glass windows, some plastic I had around. And it served me well all season. And so you have seeds growing. I use soil blocks. You can use whatever you want. You have seeds growing. And they're ready in about four weeks. So you time it so the chickens, they're about four weeks out until they're done with this garden area. That's when you start your seeds, whatever seeds are in season are able to grow. And then at the four-week period when it's time to plant those plants, you move the chickens out and you plant those seeds in there well actually before you move the chickens out you can actually do any soil amendments you need to do say you've taken soil amendment tests you throw any soil amendments like we would put down lime, stuff like that and uh, let the chickens spread it and work it into the soil otherwise you've got to work it in and then a few days before you need to move the chickens out if you've you got a mulch source you've got old hay you've got a source of wood chips or uh, leaves you've saved from the fall put that in there and the chickens will stir that in and then you'll have a mulch on top and then you take your seeds, you move your chickens out, to preferably to another job, and you plant your seeds where the chickens were. And guess what, Jack? The the plant's like four, eight inches tall, and it's tall enough to get a head start of any weeds that are going to pop up. Okay? And you virtually don't have to worry about it. There's a crop garden out here. It's like my baby. It's like I'm so proud of it. We documented it through all our YouTube videos, and it's was just that the chickens prepped the area. We moved them out. They did. And we even had to move the chickens out before they even got everything out, like tilled everything. So there were some grasses and stuff left, but because these plants had such a head start, it didn't matter because they shaded it out or they beat it out and it's okay to have a little bit of weeds make it. It's okay and virtually walk away and come back at harvest. I mean, at one point, we challenged ourselves to how much could we grow in 100 days, and we documented it on our YouTube, and it was like we were going to do a video every day. It was like, okay, what are we going to do today? Because it's kind of like, oh, wow, there's really not much to do. We've done the chores. Uh, what are we going to do now? <laughs> Seriously.
1: No, I, so I would say I, – I think one of the big strategies you have there that people will gloss over if you don't really make them take it in is advantaging the plants over the weeds. So – and and because when you're done harvesting, you're going to bring that chicken back – the chickens back in there. So you don't care if there's weeds. Exactly. You just care – do the, do your plants out-compete the weeds? If your tomato plant is freaking three feet tall on a stake and your weeds are a foot tall, well, great. They're shading the tomato plant's roots. You just don't care. Exactly. And you're not thinking, well, yeah, next year I'm going to have to tear all that out. You're just thinking, well, the chickens will be back here for the next rotation.
2: Exactly. You see, my yard – my front yard, my kitchen garden is looking a little rough, but we're at the end of it and I'm thinking – I have to remind myself, well, the chick are coming in soon. So you're not going to make Martha Stewart Organic Magazine. You're not going to make the cover. <laughs> it's it's, it's going to get wild and wooly. But you're going to have so much beneficial life there. It's incredible. Actually, one year, Jack, I let these – I don't know if I got – it was early on. I was probably lazy. The weeds came up, and it's ah. – but what happened was the Japanese beetle started to attack this weed. Instead of my squash or anything else. Oh wow! Okay. So, oh wow! I'll, as long as I have this weed, the Japanese beetle have something to eat, and they leave everything all, alone. And some, and many days I would go out there with a, a little bit of water in a bucket and and toss the beetles into that bucket and feed them to the chickens.
1: Sure, sure. I'm so, so it's like happy the, weeds, about
2: that. the weeds have a have a good role. It's just I will tell you, you got to get over a certain mindset because your garden's getting ugly. If you think that's ugly, I mean, some of the most beautiful places in the world are where the the untouched places of this world, the natural places. So we're replicating that. I mean, there's there's a beautiful children's book where the the convinces her dad to to let the grass grow and to not mow. They weren't going to do a garden or nothing. they were just going to let it grow. And all the dogs came and they built this little pond and they had these frogs and and before she knew it, she was the head of the the head of the uh the neighborhood, and everybody was not mowing their grass and it's just like we gotta let's change our minds, but and all right, it's like the chickens too like be okay with chickens being in your for me in my front yard and then moving them out and planting something and then being okay with some weeds there until the chickens come back. Sure, if they're on your front yard and you want to make it look good with mulch though it's easy to pull weeds, and only a few make it like yep. in our kitchen garden. We're not like these absolutely crazy people. We wanted to have a nice looking garden in our in, in front of our house. Well, we mulched heavily, uh, and we used a. It takes initial. This is like your weekend project. It's 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 a little harder at first. You put down a layer of cardboard if you've got weeds, then you you cover up with mulch, and that suppresses the weeds pretty much throughout the whole season. One or two might pop up, and then it looks good. Like mulch, mulch looks good around uh, garden plants. Looks fine.
1: Well, yeah. And like the other thing is with the weeds, like, so, um, if you have weeds in an area that you're going to rework with chicken, all you have is more mulch, more food, and more dynamic accumulation of nutrient, right? So that, that, that piece of weed that's sitting there that you're just going to let go until the next time the chickens come back, weeds mine macro and micronutrients from the soil that your plants can't get to. And that chicken processes that and that becomes bioavailable to your plant. So I don't see a weed. I see next year's fertilizer. Cool. I you know, like that. It's good. I mean, there are some weeds that are a little bit more potentially harmful, some certain perennial weeds and all, but in general, annual weeds are nothing but chicken food and fertilizer. Um, you're really kind of blowing up on YouTube right now and you're even making a pretty decent living just off the YouTube channel. Can you kind of talk yeah. about what's going on with YouTube in general right now? I mean, that's becoming. A major opportunity for people.
2: I'm thinking so because uh, I had this shift to kind of, sort of fell into it. I think the way Diego puts it is like, uh, I think he kind of said I stumbled into it, but found my destiny, and I think that's right. I think he nailed it because what happened with the YouTube was I was blogging, like with a B, like writing articles, yeah. and that's how I was promoting myself. That's how I was getting building up my email list uh getting an audience and engaging my current audience. So I'd created this wonderful audience with my Kickstarter and then releasing Permaculture Chicken. I'd built my audience about to about twelve thousand people on an email list. And I was like, okay, how do we how do we continually engage them and give them something and continually build it. And I thought, you know, here I am. I have to be smart because these kids are distracting. You know, they're at home. I'm getting disrupted. Is it really to write 5,000 word articles once a week? Because that's pretty much taken up all my time and that doesn't really involve them. And so I said, and yeah, I'm a big family man. I'm like, I want to, the reason I'm an entrepreneur, one main reason I'm an entrepreneur is freedom. And so, and that's freedom for me to be with my family. And so, not to just go to Disneyland, but to work together and to be together and to eat together. And so I said, well, I found, stumbled upon these people. It just looked like, like, they were pro vloggers. I didn't know it, but it just looked like they were, uh, shooting an iPhone on themselves. And I'm like, that's interesting. They are like really big vloggers. They have nothing to do with sustainable world. It's called Salmonia. It's my wife picked up on this viral video and started following them. And I thought, that's kind of cool though. They're like making this living doing it thing with her family with an iPhone. I'm like, this is like modern technology. at It's best. Like you can, you, your office could be your iPhone. It turns out they weren't using their iPhone. They had a, a special camera that I, I now have for vlogging. but that the interest. And I was like, maybe that's what I can do for my people to continually give them content. We created one and put it out to just a number of people on my list privately and said, hey, what do you think about this? And created a survey and, and they critiqued it you know, and at first it was like 20 minutes long, the first video. And there were some things in there that maybe shouldn't have. And we got that feedback and came out with our first vlog, and then promoted that to our list. And I think right off the bat, we were able to get, because of my list, 800 to a thousand views on a video. But then we were getting all this like feedback, these positive comments and people were being inspired. And at the time we were, we were doing five vlogs a day. And, uh, we not five a day, sorry, five a week. And we were taking two off a week, but it just started skyrocketing the engagement, like people just being so excited, like every two out of three emails was like, oh, we love the vlog. It inspired us to do that. Thank you. Thank you. I've just never seen any, any engagement in this way. And we were really enjoying it. Like make, I was enjoying filming the videos. My wife edits them. She really found a role in the business she likes and could grab a hold of. And we, it turned into its own beast because at first it was just to build and maintain our audience. And, and, and through Homestead, teaching in a reality style way. I know you've had uh, topics of homeschool on here, unschooling. Well, what unschooling is, it's like immersion learning. And what vlogging is, is immersion learning. Like it's reality TV style learning. It's not straight up instructional, but people are learning a ton, but being entertained.
1: Yeah, I think there's a tremendous opportunity there because, first of all, kind of what well, you started out with about how, you know, permaculture chickens was a niche of a niche of a niche of a niche of a niche. But yet you could still make a go yeah. of it because you have a scalability online. Well, at the same time, you have that kind of scalability online with, with all these, like, niche market uh, uh, verticals, as I call them. With with YouTube, you also have what I consider to be a completely dwindling value to mainstream media, right? So we have cable TV in our house, and we pretty much have it because, yes, I'm a football fan and I get red zone. And to have the Internet that I have, it doesn't actually cost that much more to have the cable to go with it. But I watch a lot more stuff off the Internet on my TV than I do television TV, right, between Netflix and YouTube and things like that. And when we're, like, sitting around and we have some time ourselves and we want to just plop on the couch and be with each other, if there's nothing on, which is most nights, you can always find something that you think is interesting on YouTube. Because you know as a YouTube content creator, you don't have any producer to get approval from. You can do whatever you want for good or bad, right? And because of that, as you find your vertical, you can actually serve your vertical and then – you know, if I'm watching some TV show with some guy in Hollywood that's making a million dollars an episode, I can't talk to him. He's not going to return my email. He's not going to tweet back to me. He's not going to engage me on Facebook. He's not going to comment to me on my on his blog. But you can build that relationship with your audience where they feel like they actually know you.
2: That's, that's I think, what that you nailed it. I mean, Casey Neistat, a very popular blogger, uh, we watch him daily to learn the techniques but he says people are coming to YouTube for community and it's exactly what you said. You can't, you don't get community from a, a cable TV show, but you can actually go watch my show and actually make a comment on there and get a reply. Okay. Or even email. And if you're in the area, even come by and visit. Like yep. this is the future of entertainment. I agree. It's specialized.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I think. May they- not you might even get a response from me or you that you don't like, but at least you get a response. You know? I know. <laughs> that, <that's, laughs> and it, that's, it might take a few days, but, yeah. you know. you know. And I'm not going to – I can't commit that I'll respond to everybody, but I respond enough yeah. that if you contact me more than a couple times, you're going to get a response.
2: Yeah, but if – if, I bet you've seen this on your YouTube videos. If you don't respond, somebody else is. I love it. And there's a community developing around that that they don't even need you. I mean, that's the best. If you can put oh. up this video, the people there feel a sense of family with each other, that's that's the best. And
1: yeah, when you get a happens. question that you've answered a hundred times and you're just like, I <laughs> yeah. don't feel like answering this again today and you see nope. somebody did it for you, you're like, Oh, thank you, right? And then that yeah. person also feels like they got the answer, you know? <laughs>
2: my my people always want to. Uh, we see it on
1: almost every video. Why do you call
2: your son Mister Brown? That's his nickname. Uh huh. Of course, that's our most popular question. Well, people answer. We don't even have to answer it.
1: <laughs> I no longer answer that <laughs> and, and question.
2: Another thing, people get on there and hate. Like once you get to a certain level, like, get a certain amount, of, you're gonna one hundred. You're gonna have some booger on there. Well, it's a nicer
1: word than I use, but okay
2: trigger <laughs> well well uh the, you I don't have to worry about defending myself yeah my my community and my fam I call them my youtube family comes comes to the rescue and they put them in their place and it's better than what I said
1: this you know what you hit on something that we learned when we started the regenerative agriculture group about how permaculture extends beyond a garden bed, so the concept we talked about earlier was you advantage what you want and you disadvantage what you don't want. When we started that group, for various reasons, we ended up with a whole bunch of Internet trolls. And it was amazing that with by the time we built that group to about 5,000 people, it was like Mm -hmm. trolls were tore apart before a moderator did anything. And it was because we had (laughs) built the community based on certain principles, and we had like mind Even when we disagreed, we were like-minded on the principles of what we were doing. And it got to the point where they just – went away because it wasn't fun anymore because they couldn't get any traction whatsoever and that's that's what you can do with a YouTube channel so you advantage the, the good followers and you're going to get some trolls, you're going to get some, you know, people with, I, I call it some disease, everybody is stupid but me, right? And they just want to go out and tell everybody they're wrong, you know, every day uh, from the comfort of their mother's basement or something like that and you're going to deal with those people but I, I, I in the beginning I tried to win them over I tried to talk to them, and then I then I went to my my dark side for like a year, and I berated them. And then I realized, <laughs> you know what? All you got to do, ban them. Just immediately, yeah. ba- they're gone. They're just they've obliterated. But what's exactly. fun is when you take a break and you don't ban them for like a couple of days, and you come back, and they've just been torn to shreds like like a rat terrier on a on a, on a rat. It's 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 just yeah. it's gratifying. Yeah.
2: But you know that's a that that brings a point. That's a drawback to maybe maybe uh, making a living in that way, you know, producing a movie that goes out to the public or running a successful YouTube channel. That that's a negative, and a lot of, a lot of people are afraid to embrace social media in a way to to generate some income, whether it be side income or just help pay for the farm or to make a full time living of the comments. But this is one solution. Like people are going to come to your rescue. But it's also like, you know, people are struggling with things you have no idea, you know, they're they're yeah. acting out for attention or whatever. So but I always say, well, it beats a nine to five. And no offense to anybody with a nine to five, but for me, it it beats a nine to five. I mean, yeah. There are problems in whatever job or career you go into. I don't care what it is.
1: Well, I'll tell you, you know, you do have to get somewhat of a thick skin. And I remember some of the people that I've seen get into this kind of niche world of preparedness and homesteading and permaculture uh, along the way as, you know, I'd been here for a while and they, they we'd talk and they'd say, well, God, this guy said this to me and that guy said, like, you just need to, like, that is so irrelevant to your success, right? In fact, that's like, yeah. The first thing I'll tell you is if, if anybody out there wants to do the kind of thing that, that you and I are, Justin, I'd say go do it and don't worry about those people. First of all, in like your first yeah. couple months, you know, you're know you not getting anything because no one knows yet. It takes a while to build that. By the time you get people putting you down, you're successful enough that you don't really care. And the day you start attracting haters is a day to be very, very thankful because now you know you're, you're impactful enough you're making a difference because that's when people get upset. Right. When you're not making yeah. a difference, nobody cares, right? But when you're making a difference, right. then you encounter that resistance. And it's, it's really something to celebrate. Though, you know, when you put your heart soul into something, you have people saying stuff like, this guy just wants to make a bunch of money and doesn't care about people. You know, that, that bothers me more than some, than some, you know, imbecilic comment or something like that. Because yes, I, I make a good living at what I do, but I make a good living because I did it with the heart of a servant. And when I have my integrity yeah. question, I get really pissed. But then I got to realize like that guy has no effect on my life whatsoever. Delete. Bye. <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah, and you do it, you do get more and more used to it. At first, I'd get a hard one, and I have to then I just go read the, all the nice comments and it'd just bounce you know. So
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I do a podcast in iTunes, right? So you get reviews in iTunes. And after I got yeah. like a couple hundred reviews, you know, I had like a dozen one star. This guy sucks. He's nuts. He doesn't know what he's talking about, whatever. And you're reading that, you're like, all, you're like, okay, dude, read the 300 five star comments. Don't, don't worry about I know. people that don't like you, you know? I know. And you have to,
2: you have to, it doesn't bounce like one will really tear you up, but that means you need to go find 10, you know, however, however many it takes. But it's like, you you it it is a sign of something because you do have to take a stand. If you're too if you're reading the comments and you're too careful to accommodate and say oh I'm afraid of putting this in there because I might make somebody yeah you're gonna lose it. If you do that you're gonna be me, middle of the road and nobody's gonna watch. You have to take a, take a stand and have a passion.
1: You got to be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm man you're you're toast. That's that's pretty like, principled belief right there.
2: I told Rebecca, I mean, this is minor, but it's like, well, maybe my, not minor to some people, but it's like, Rebecca, we, that's my wife, we are, we're homesteaders, that's who our target is in these videos, and we're, we're not just homesteaders, we're like meat eating homesteaders, and we, we aren't afraid to, pick up a piece of roadkill and put it in a bucket and let it let the maggots track to it and feed the chickens that way. And we're going to show that we're not afraid to skin a possum and throw it into the chickens just like that. OK, and though that's a minor thing, but also we're not afraid to butcher on there. And gosh, Jack, I've got some of the meanest things <laughs> from the vegans, and I'm sure there's kind of vegans out there. But there are the militant ones who are going to shut down the channel or they're going to. They're going to, hey, you know what, Jack? I had to put a fat hen out of her misery one time. She got so fat. My bad. My bad. I can look back and know what happened. But this hen was so fat she was going to die. Yeah. So I put her out of her misery. Well, I'm as ugly as, I'm. well, let's put you out of your misery. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, you know, you can even get ones like that, but you really do have to take a stand because most people then appreciate it for you. And that's why people appreciate you then. That's why people appreciate Joel Salatin. Uh, these are people who are not afraid to take a stand.
1: I I, I loved one time uh, I watched this video with Joel Salatin, and it was some vegan that ended up in one of his chicken processing. It's like, what are you even doing there? If you're <laughs> so upset about it, but they said something about he said he said something to the effect of, well, you vegans, you are eating infants. You don't even let them grow up because the seed, right? They're eating grains, right? You're eating little babies. And, uh, the guy just didn't know what to say. He was just completely flabbergasted. And I mean, I think there is a point for kind of that, that re rebuttal, but you, you have to care.
2: Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I mean, there's a place to delete it. They're just, or to delete it or ignore it. They're just trying to get attention. There's other, there's other times where you need to set the facts straight for sure.
1: Cool. So, um, I know you're big on storytelling in your business and, do you kind of feel like everybody that's in business should be sharing their story? And if so, like which probably the best social media outlets for it? Yeah.
2: It's hard to know for sure, but I will tell you this, storytelling is king for me, for sure. And there is a shift, like you're talking about, we're going from cable to a new way of entertainment, information, like the world's changing fast. And so, it's hard to say everybody's got to be a storyteller, but for sure the best place to do that, and I think where the future is, is with YouTube. One reason is because it's, there's such rich engagement with video. Uh, there's comment area there for a sense of community. There's also, I think it's the only social media platform where you actually get paid for contributing. You know, I don't. You know, I've I've delved in uh, Instagram and, uh, Pinterest and Facebook and, 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 and mentioning all those other ones. Another reason YouTube's so good is it actually converts. Like you can, you can engage with your, your community in a real way, whether you want them to go and take a survey or go check out this other website or go check out my product or, or this and that, or go check out this other YouTube channel. People actually do it. I mean, let's say, let's say 30 to 40%. Now, that may not seem like a lot to a lot of people, but if you know anything about huge. internet marketing, that's huge. If you do that on Facebook, you're lucky if you get 0.1%.
1: Well, so, if you compare that to direct marketing through like old school snail mail, it it, it destroys. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, when, when we did direct mail in the in the the telephone service industry, if we yeah. got a if we got a five percent response rate, now that wasn't necessarily five percent conversion. That was five yeah. percent response. It was a home run. Forty percent <laughs> is insane.
2: That's insane. I can not believe it, Jack. I mean, I remember the first time I saw the power of this, I thought. I thought, okay, I'm doing these reality-style videos, and I'm setting up this brooder, but what if somebody wants to know a little bit more, and I don't really want to spend 18 minutes on, on this video when it's supposed to be more inspirational and entertaining. And so I said, okay, I'll test this. I said, okay, people, I will create an instructional video on how to set up a brooder if you guys want it. I said this on my video. And I need 100 people within a week. Yeah. Jack, you know how many people I got in 24 hours? A thousand. Wow. To join my email list for this video I hadn't created yet. And so I happily created that video and everybody was thrilled. But I say that, you know, it's not just a way to, you know, make a living, but it's, it's a way I, it's been a sense of family for me, Jack, as well. It's like, I, I, I'll, I'm in the public now and people will come up to me I'm in town, out of context in Chipotle or, or Target or where was I? The grocery store. And somebody would come up and say, hey, you're Justin Rose from the YouTube. That never ha- – when we go to Mother Earth News, it's even worse. Like one out of ten people come up. or uh, And so it's like – and I shouldn't say worse. I should say it's even better. We enjoy that. But it's like what – that, it creates a sense of family for us. Yeah. We get our encouragement when we're down. Like I've had some down moments, and I've shown it on the blog. Like I wanted to quit when our King Daddy rooster got gone because you can't just replace your best rooster, your genetics you've been working on for years, right? And people will come and cheer for us. Like people are coaching me through Lyme disease and providing supplements and somebody's sending Lily a birthday present. You know what I'm saying? There, it's more, for me, it was building the audience and maintaining them, but now it's become family. And if I can become and if I get in a little money off of that off the actually of a, 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 a full-time the average American wage off the little YouTube ads in the beginning, that's amazing because nobody has to really pay for that. They just sit through that. And we get a sense of family. Now, like that's a dream. Now, story story is everything. I mean, it's like every day we think what is the story today? It has to have a it's the Alice in Wonderland concept. You you start at the beginning, go through the middle and finish at the end. You have, you, you in vlogging anyway, it's not instructional per se, it's story. And so a story is a story, just like a chicken's a chicken. That's not going out of style. Yeah. We just have a new medium that can really tell this story to so many more people than I ever could have dreamed of before.
1: Well, and you he know, keep seeing the word story, so I've always taught... Very simple definitions, right? So selling yeah. is a transfer of belief. Marketing yeah. is telling your story, right? Yeah. Effective marketing is when other people tell your story for you. Mm, See, like and when that. you get to the point where you're telling a story and people are telling your story on your behalf and they're, they're referring others to you, yeah, you get into a momentum effect that is almost unstoppable. Only you can screw it up then. You can well, go out one day and say, I hate all of you people, never watch my channel again, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? And if it's not a really well pulled off April Fool's joke, you can you can torpedo yourself. But other than that, you're not going anywhere. And like, why? So you keep using another word I love, reality. Because what's on TV they call reality is not reality. No, you don't have somebody sitting there going, if Justin doesn't get this chicken to lay eggs, his family will starve this winter. While the cameraman's wiping mayonnaise off his face from his hand sandwich, right? (laughs) We don't we, we don't have that stupidity. You have actual reality and you're not trying to make sure that you get you know six points on the ratings on an for yeah. a channel you don't give a damn right because if you can right. get one tenth of one percent of the people that are on YouTube you have yeah. got a home run so you don't have Ooh, to, try that- to cater to anybody you just cater to what you are and that way when somebody goes did you ever see this video of Justin gutting a chicken yeah he does that all the time but it's not like people are gonna go oh no I can't follow him anymore or if somebody says you know Jack Spierko cusses a lot. Well, yeah, yeah, where you been, right? So, like <laughs> that that'll turn some people off, but your core that stays with you if you're true to who you are, nothing's ever coming out of the closet to drive them away. Exactly. Yeah, you actually, actually
2: that's a good point. And once you have them and they identify with you and you're their family, which is what happens when you, you live your life in front of them, they, they are hooked so much that I, I've had videos where equipment have failed, I end up having to finish, I, I filmed on like a backup camera and then that went out and then I had to film on the iPhone. And, and, and it wasn't even like, the video didn't even fill the whole screen, like there was a black frame around it. And people, and I addressed it in the video and said, you know, sorry, and like, people don't care at that point. Yeah. They're, they're, they, 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 pre- they, and that's what makes it beautiful too, the YouTube, is that it's not polished. In fact, when they did that little micro documentary on me and my success story, I don't know if you saw it, it went around Facebook, that, they stay, they staged everything, like, I fake laughed, Oh, uh, we were out picking the garden because they told us to, and we picked it like three or four times. Uh, and it's funny now to look at the reality TV show and just see now how staged it is. Now, sometimes if my boy says something cute and it's not on the camera, I'll say, say it again. Sure,
1: sure. But <laughs> well, it really happened. You didn't write a screen yeah. for him. That's, that's no. totally different.
2: Nope. And, in fact, when I I, I went from... I, I, I went from my blog, I don't know if you noticed, but to promote the 10-hour homestead, I did more polished, more production, got a friend, come help help with it, and we loaded that video, and it was more beautiful and polished. But guess what, Jack? We got complaints. We liked the – they thought it was the day's vlog, and they were upset. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I got – no, I understand exactly what you're saying. Because like, – yeah. You know, I do my little duck videos where I walk around just with the camera, and the only thing I've got to do is stop panning. Because on an iPhone, if you're panning, it makes people nauseous. But I throw my earpiece in and plug that in so I've got a good microphone, so the audio's good. And I just walk around saying, here's what the ducks are doing today and all. And I have people that love the hell out of that thing. And that was never... That whole Duck Chronicles thing was never meant to be like something big, right? It's it's not like a business unit or anything. It was just like... Hey, we're getting these new ducks, and wouldn't it be yeah. cool if we took people through the whole thing so it was a hundred percent genuine? And I think people do appreciate that because because you can tell it's not like super high production value. You know, it's not bullshit, right? That's that's yeah. what it comes down to.
2: I guess so. And see, it's hard to trust somebody over the internet, and, and that helps. I can remember this, man. I I my entrance into the stage was permaculture chickens. And so if you watch that, it's polished. I'm not as excitable or, or as entertaining as maybe in the vlog, but it was a straight-up instructional, and it was my first piece. Well, if you then go to the vlog, I can remember when I had to put that fat hen out of the misery, and we went to publish that video. Jack, when we published that, I, I had to take a nap. I was so stressed out because it was the first time the permaculture chicken ninja master was putting into the world his mistake. Yeah, And it wasn't just like, oh, I didn't know what this disease was that got them or whatever. It was like my chickens got overfed for way too long, okay? And so, and, and it happens to do with, you know, we went away to Permaculture Voices. Mom was feeding them. We didn't know. Lily was feeding them in the afternoon. We weren't rationing before that. And it's just that story. But anyway, I published that and was so sick and thought, I'm going to lose all the authority I ever had, you know? But you know what people did on that comment? Oh, I appreciate this. This this inspires yeah. me. Even you make a mistake. Oh, I love this. Thank you for publishing this. And Jack, to this day, it's like our number three video.
1: Yeah, yeah. I understand. I mean, we had we lost a bunch of birds in two different incidents to a coyote. Yeah. And I ended up getting the coyote. And I, I put out on the blog, this thing will not see the end of the week. And it made it eight days. I was off by one day. But wow. we put this video out and... The way I finished that video, as I said, good ending, bad day. And I was beat. I mean, I I got up in the morning. I was shirtless and in sandals, (laughs) you know, and I cornered this coyote in the, in the duck house and the dog had it one way and I had it the other way. And, you know, it was, and then when I realized like it was worse than I thought, because it looked like we had lost like Uh, eight eight birds. And as we started going through the bodies, the body count went up to 30 birds, Mm. And this was right after we got our big restaurant customer and we're going into winter when lighting's going to go down anyway. And like, yeah. they have so much invested in these birds and you know, so much time. And it was like, you know, do I really want to put this out? But yeah. it was like, yes, because if somebody's going to do this, sooner or later, you're going to deal with this. And I had yep. to feed the people, you shouldn't hurt the coyote or whatever, you know, while I've got bloody ducks and geese laying everywhere. And it's like, you know what? This coyote had sarcoptic mange. It was going to be dead within eight months anyway, but it it killed two neighbor's dogs. This we found out later. Killed two neighbor's dogs, at least two cats. That's just what we know of. Um, Guy down the road has chickens. It tore up his chickens. So I felt obligated to put that out, and people were like, yeah, you should have more protection for your birds and what have you. And Yeah. yeah, I should. But the other thing was, where we live, this has never been an issue. Exactly. I go through that too. You know, so you've got, but what I got was tremendous support. I'm sorry this happened to you. Or even like, we've, you know, when I lose a dog, I lose a family member. So I've lost um, two dogs and Mm -hmm. a cat since this whole TSP ride has happened. And every time that happens, I put out a post on a blog and I don't do a show that day. You wouldn't do a show if your brother died. So, you know, exactly. Right. So, and, and I get, it's unbelievable. I put out a post about when we lost Blackie, our lab, and he, it was like hundreds of comments. Yeah. So if you share the good and the bad, I think people know you're not full of it then.
2: Yeah. Now, I might also say, Jack, Yeah, I might be stepping on a limb here, but you may, you probably don't have, like, this world we're in, like the sustainable, survival, permaculture world, my friends like that are close to me aren't necessarily into that. Yeah, yeah. So that's what the online community can do for you too. Yeah. That person who is replying to you and saying, "Oh, I'm sorry," you know, they they're experiencing that because you have such a wide reach. Somebody's going to be able to experience that with you and
1: share and, and give you some empathy it, for right? that. So, like with the ducks, yep. with lost ducks to the coyote. You know, our our, our in laws are like, "That's that's too bad." It's like, yeah. Yeah. No, like, but when you get a, con- they have no like on, clue. It says last year we lost you know 30 birds before we got a fox. I know where you're feeling, you're like, yeah, you, 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 you do know, like you know that yeah. person has actually been through it, right? Exactly. Yeah. because even, even so, like
2: domestic dogs will get my chicken, and somebody will want to replace it, but you just can't, you don't understand, you can't just replace a chicken.: Yeah, it doesn't work like that.
1: Yeah, especially when you've been breeding your own genetics and, and exactly. Have, you know, what are you going to replace it with? I've got a bird that's 26 weeks old in their prime and just started laying.
2: It, exactly. place
1: it with, a, with a, you know, a, a two-week-old pullet that I'm going to have to raise for six months before it produces anything. I know. The and it's end. timing, too. You know, it's not yeah. great timing. By the time that
2: bird's 26 weeks old and it's dead and they want to get you a chick, that's not really when you want to have
1: chicks. No, no. They really so were set back chick. an entire year. <laughs> right, and you don't want a chick either, right? Like, you don't brew no, a, you a chick. A chick. You know? It's crazy. Yeah, we have a duck we call Barbie, even though it eventually turned out to be a drake. <laughs> Uh, that, that's, that's kind of ha- like this lady calls the house and goes, "Will you guys take a duck. We're like, I don't know. We'll just showed up in our backyard. <laughs> okay. Well, my son's feeding it grapes. So Dorothy's a big softie when She hears what she's feeding it grapes is like, that's the only thing they're feeding it. She's like, yeah, I'll take the duck. So they bring us this duck. We think it's like a duck. It's like a duckling. It's like two weeks old. Oh, God. we got one duckling. It's like May. None of our birds have babies or anything. It's hot out. And so we put a little brooder together. We stick the duck in it and yeah. meep, 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 scream bloody murder. So she has to go down to the feed store. We buy, like, four ducklings. She bought Mallard's this is what they had for, like, twelve fifty a freaking bird. So I have a $50 <laughs> free duck now, mm. you know. And, <laughs> and then it turns out to be a Drake on top of it all and not a very useful Oh, no, no. But so it, when somebody says, well, I'll get you a new one, that's what they're saying. They'll give you a problem. Right, you're not going to get a solution. You're giving me a problem on top of yep. my problem. Yeah, I know. So anyway, hey, man, we're kind of wearing that out. Let's uh, let's tell people how they can learn more about you if they don't know who you, you know, if they haven't been, you know, yeah. following you yet.
2: Okay, go to uh, my website abundantpermaculture.com. There's some free goodies right there on the homepage. It's a free a free video class on raising chickens. I'll talk how, you know, there's a free thing on on building a chicken tractor or, or a chickshaw, which is a mobile chicken coop. And then you can find me on YouTube at Justin Rhodes. We upload a video every day. It's our happy family living the permaculture homestead dream.
1: Very cool. I want you to know uh, my buddy Steve Larkin, who I'm working with, uh, all of Brad Davies on this this new product for the quail industry, um, he's building, like, the like Cadillac of chick saws because of you. Oh, sweet. And, and this guy is, like, he's a professional cage builder. He builds everything from giant, like, zoo quality huge aviaries to like his primary business is he sells sugar gliders and he custom builds the cages that go with them and things like that and he is he is he is like taking the whole concept of the chick saw to the max awesome and That's it's all like, i like to hear well it's cool isn't it to know that somebody's out there doing something it it also gives you like this i guess before we wrap up you, you, you probably feel the same way like the first time somebody comes up to you and goes because you said this i'm doing it you're like Oh shit, I better be more careful about what I
2: said. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that gave me chills when you said that cuz it's happened. But I also relate to you and be like, "Oh yeah, cuz you know, I'm slapping I'm putting out so much content, sometimes you forget that too, and we got to be real careful cuz you never know what piece is going to really hit home to somebody or not. Did you or you really watch- ta- take the wind out of their cell.
1: Did you ever watch shows like, you know, Mad TV and Saturday Night Live and stuff like that back yeah. in the day? Have you oh, ever yeah. seen them where they do the spoofs of, like, you know, they'll have somebody on from, like, Star Trek or something like that with yeah. a guest, and they'll have, like, a, a spoof convention, you know, and the guy will be like... In episode 117 at minute seven, five, mark three, you said this, and then that happened, and how do you explain that? And the guy's like, I, I don't remember. That was... that. Do you ever hear something that people like, well, you said this? You're like, I did? I don't, I, I, I don't remember that. Yeah.
2: Some people are... Uh, I feel like they can know it more more than me, because we have the vlog, and that may be all they see of me, yeah. right? But that's only 10 minutes of my entire 24 hours.
1: Yeah. So
2: somebody can really know that, but I have so much more
1: going on than just the blog. Well, if somebody – let's say you produced some content a couple years ago for you, eight years ago for me, and the person watches it this week, right? Yeah. So then they come up to you, and they finally get to meet you, and they want to talk to you about it. (laughs) Yes. Then? You know, and usually if I keep listening, I'll go, oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, they'll come up to you, like, and that's the other thing that happens. Like, when you get this, like, I guess you'd call it minor internet celebrity thing going on, you have people yeah. coming up to you. They know your whole freaking life, and they yeah. talk to you in a way that shows them that, and you feel like, I don't, I don't know who you are at all. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a little,
2: that's one of those little minor problems that comes with, Making your living off the internet is it's that's one of them, yeah, it, like people me, come and visit us and they they've seen our home, and we don't even know their names yet, yeah, yeah, and so they all know they know all our names almost all our birthdays, and it's like, yeah, and it's a little bit of a social awkwardness there, but you know we that's just part of the game, and we just well I, to me it's not
1: it's not like a creepy thing like some people say, no. oh, it's creepy what I feel like is I feel bad because I don't <laughs> yeah. I can't reciprocate, right, like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's it's a nice problem to have, I think. I think the day that no one gives a damn anymore, you're like, well, what am I going to do now? I don't want to go back to work. <laughs>
2: you know?
1: yeah. yeah, I know. Anyway, man, I, I've appreciated you, you being here today. I'll make sure I have links to your blog and your YouTube thanks. channel in the uh, show notes today. And uh, have a great day, man. Okay, thank you. You too. You know, I always enjoy talking with Justin. Last time I saw him in person was at Permaculture Voices 3. We had a good time out there and uh, really enjoyed being around people like Justin. He's a, he's a good dude, and you should definitely check out his stuff. With that, uh, let's go ahead and remind you guys, if you like this show and you want to support us, you could do that by joining the Member Support Brigade. But again, one more day, don't do it today. Tomorrow's the day. Tomorrow's a 30-30-30-30 sale. There'll be a post out today with more information about that. But at 9 a.m. tomorrow... The member support brigade will go on sale for thirty dollars a year uh, instead of fifty dollars a year, and uh, you can get it for that. There'll be a, a a post with a password, and it'll run for thirty hours, so it'll run till three o'clock in the afternoon on Friday, and then it'll be gone. I remember, I do sales. I don't care if your dog ate your discount code or something like that. When it's over, it's over. Either I do that, or it doesn't mean anything. Okay, but here's the other part of the thirty thirty sale. So we got thirty dollars for thirty hours. And you're going to be able to get $30 off a new belt by Jason Davis at Lenwood Leather. Leather. Let me tell you, I'm calling this thing the Skull Crusher, the Spirco Skull Crusher, right? Because um, I'm getting one, uh, and I'm pretty stoked about it. What this is, is, this is a belt, one of Jason's amazing quality belts. And I've been using one of his belts as uh, my everyday carry belt for a long time since I got it from him. They're incredible. I mean, you could almost beat somebody to death with the belt itself. Well, what he's done now is he's put a buckle on this belt that you can smash the windows out of the car with, that you can dent the crap out of the hood of the car, because there's a video of him doing that. I mean, you can give somebody a good old-fashioned bloody beating just by taking this belt off and wielding it as a weapon. But it's just a belt. It's just a belt with a heavy buckle. You can go on your airplane with this belt. You can go anywhere where you're you know, otherwise disarmed, and it's just a belt. Um, you almost look at this and wonder, why didn't somebody do something like this sooner? When you see the quality of it, it's pretty amazing. Well, what he's doing for uh, 30 days, for all MSP members, not just people who participate in the sale, you get $30 off a belt. So it's $30 for 30 hours, $30 off a belt for 30 days, a 30-30-30-30 sale. Um, and then, of course... Lenwood Leather gives discounts to MSB members as a matter of course. But 30 bucks on the belt is a huge discount. Um, it, he's, he's barely making anything at that point. I, you know, I think he's, he's maybe going $20 over cost with, with sell price. So he's making a little bit of money. But uh, what a great opportunity to, uh, to get something new, try it out, to show it to your friends, and to help a guy that's been a partner of the show for a long time build his business. Lenwood Leather is a great... Great manufacturer of leather goods. You got to check them out, Limwood Leather. And remember, you can get discounts on everything, but the $30 off the belt for 30 days starts tomorrow, and $30 for MSB for 30 hours starts tomorrow. 9 a.m. There'll be a post that'll go out, and you can sign up for MSB at that price. Remember, the other way, the other way you can support this show is by shopping on Amazon through tspaz.com. Tspaz.com. T S P A Z dot com. You go there, you click a link, you end up on Amazon, you do your shopping, you buy anything you want. I don't care if they're dog diapers or uh, d- d- zip ties or it doesn't matter. You know, whatever you're going to buy your dog food, uh, a book, it, it doesn't matter. You just buy it, you pay the same price you would anyway, and you help support the show. It's completely painless. But I do review something every day for you. <clears throat> Today is the Corsair Survivor Drive. This is my USB drive of choice. Uh, this thing, when it's screwed together, it's a two-part drive. It's waterproof, and it'll float because it's got air in it when it's closed shut. Um, I took one to see how durable it was and held it like a like a hammer fist, so the bottom of it would stick out the bottom, and had somebody hold a one-inch piece of pine board, and I hammer-fisted through a one-inch piece of pine board with it and broke it, and uh, it did no damage to it whatsoever. So it's rugged as hell. It works great. Uh, and you can get them in sizes from, I think, like 16 gig, but don't do that because the 32 gig is barely more expensive now, all the way up to 256 gigabits. I have the 128 gig, and I have a lot of space left on it. In the the write-up I did today on it, I put a link back to like episode 148 or 149 that long ago uh, where I did a show on documentation, like documenting all of the things you need to do if you bug out, all the people you need to get in touch with, vendors, uh, even hotels. I know that sounds a little crazy for survivalists, but hey – um, you see what happens when people have to momentarily, temporarily evacuate to all the hotels just outside the evacuation ring? Well, they all get booked up unless you did it first because you were already ready to go. Uh, things like, you know, street services and things like that, first call, first service, uh, your account numbers, your friends, your family, everything, how to do three different routes of evacuation, rally points, all that, how to do that in a, in a documentation package. And I say in the it's a show... Printed out 3-D binders, 3-D, 3-Ring binders. at a Brian Black moment there. I'll tell you that story someday. 3-Ring blinders, blinders, now I'm really having a Brian Black moment. 3-Ring binders, put one in each vehicle and keep one at the home. And you can listen to the episode for why to do that. I also say keep it in soft copy so that when you need to update it, you can just print out one new page three times, let's say, if you have two vehicles, one in the house, punch holes and put it in there because you have it in physical physical copy. It always works, Right. But keep it in soft copy. Well, keep it in soft copy on your USB drive, on your keychain as well. And then you're in great shape. And then add to that, install the portable version of OpenOffice. And you can open spreadsheets and Word documents and PowerPoint-type files, all of that stuff, right off the drive even if it's not on the computer and this drive is the kind of the nexus point where all that good stuff comes together. This is one of those things I really believe that, you know, don't go out and buy tomorrow if you don't have the money, but they're not that expensive. But as you're building your plan for preparedness, this is one of the things that goes on the list. A good quality, rugged, dependable USB drive, and I believe that, you know, over time you should probably get one for your keys and one for the spouse's keys if you have that, and one for the kid's keys when the kids get old enough to drive. Um, this is, again, that's all that critical data, and I even talk to you about how to put password protection on your files, and in the episode, I talk about how to do things like alter bank account numbers in ways where you will always be able to figure out what your bank account number is, but anybody that finds it won't have a damn clue. Really, really easy. It doesn't require software or anything, but the Corsair Survivor Drive, the stealth model, is the one that I recommend. Check out the write-up, but remember, always... If you just do your shopping on Amazon through tspaz.com, you will be able to, uh, to help us out without really hurting yourself at all. The other thing you can do, uh, to make sure you're supporting the whole community is to, uh, go to tspbiz.com once in a while and just look at the companies that have been spawned right out of TSP community and the opportunities they have for you. Today we have Survivalist Box, a monthly subscription box service with a modern survivalist. You sign up to receive a box each month, box each month, and your preparedness purchases are on autopilot. Go to survivalistbox.com, check them out on the TSP directory to learn more. Remember, you can be listed on the directory for as little as 5 bucks, and uh, we have other programs there to get you featured and what have you. And if you have a business and you're in this community, you should be advertising on the directory, right? I mean, you just should like even if you're going to do just a $5 listing and we pretty much do that to make sure spam doesn't happen cuz if you want to spend 5 bucks on your own business you're not serious about it and if you're a spammer you're not serious about it you just want to get spam out there right so that's why we did the 5 bucks why why wouldn't you i mean if you spend 5 bucks on the directory and you get one customer a year out of it What's the return on that? You know, assuming you're selling things that cost more than five dollars, and I think most people on the directory get a few customers. I have a a kind of a update on that for you from someone that didn't think they'd ever get a customer but tried it anyway uh, that I'll be telling you about on Monday. Tspbiz.com, the place to find people and to be found within the TSP community. Um, And with that, let's get to our our final segment of the day, the song of the day. Um, I decided that you guys needed to have something a little more. Uplifting, a little more beautiful than some of the hard stuff that I've been giving you guys lately. We talked about a happy thing today, you know, running your homestead and things like that. I've had a lot of stuff as far as music lately that's, that's that's talked about the true dark side of war, and part of that's because we're some of the subjects we were talking about, and because we're going through the Civil War in the history segment. Um, this song is by country music singer. It's not an old song. You guys know I like to play the old school stuff all the time. This song's from 2006. which so I guess. That's a decade old, and it's to me, it's a new song, right? You know, you're getting old when you start feeling that way. Um, and you millennials, you just wait, you just wait till they if uh, Sessions is still doing anything when they come out with the great hits of of, of the of the two thousands, right? And you're gonna be like, oh man, I'm old, guys. How many of you guys my age remember when you heard we now have the top hits of the nineteen eighties on Sessions, and you're like, no, I'm so old. So anyway, uh, this song's two thousand six, Gary Allen, country music singer. And the song is called life 's not always beautiful and then the follow-up to it is but it 's a beautiful ride and it's about how in our lives we have challenges we have pains we have things that that come into our lives I think every human that lives a meaningful life and, and lives for any you know length of time will have things that come into our lives that we would we would just pray that they would go away that they just wouldn't be there they just wouldn't happen and they test us to the extreme sometimes. But in the end, if we see our way through them, they end up strengthening us. They end up strengthening us. And as they make us stronger, and as we continue our walk through life, we start to realize that while life's not always beautiful, the the entirety of it is a beautiful ride, that there's so many wonderful things uh, that we come to have. And I, I look back at my life, and I have regrets in my life, but I have no regrets that I would change. And, and I think that that is about as much as you can wish for as, as an honest man. A person that says they have no regrets in their life whatsoever, I don't feel like you're being very honest if you say that. Because that means you never screwed anything up really bad. Right? That, that, that's, that's what that means. But, you know, if I killed somebody, you know, like if, if if I flew off in a rage and ripped somebody's throat out or something at some point in my life, that would be something that I would look back at and go, "I, I wish I could change that." But the things that I did, that I made mistakes, I think prevented me from making bigger mistakes because it hurt, because it was, because, because it had consequences, because I realized, oh look, if I do this and sucks this bad, that if I do something more, it's gonna suck even worse. And along the way, you find happiness. And that's my favorite line in the song. Is happiness has a way of taking its own sweet time. And I think happiness, where you really become happy, is when you're able to look at your life and say, in spite of all the things I did as a flawed person, in spite of all the things that I've maybe said that were hurtful to somebody, or things that I broke, or things that I I, I spent money on that I shouldn't have, or or relationships that I damaged or even lost, in spite of everything, today... As I look at where I am in life, if you gave me a time machine and I could go back and change that, I would not do it. I would not do it because there's nothing here that I'm willing to give up. And my flaws, as much as my strengths, are what got me here. So now I can just simply focus on the journey forward. Life's not always beautiful. But it is a beautiful ride. With that, this has been Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Beautiful.
0: Sometimes it's just plain hard. Life can knock you down, it can break your heart. Life ain't always beautiful You think you're on your way And it's just a dead end road At the end of the day But the struggles make you stronger And the changes make you wise And happiness has its own way Of taking its sweet time No, life ain't always beautiful Tears will fall sometimes Life ain't always beautiful, but it's a beautiful ride. Life ain't always beautiful. Some days I miss your smile. I get tired of walking all these lonely miles. Just one minute I could see your pretty face Guess I can dream But life don't work that way But the struggles made me stronger Changes make me wise. A beautiful ride.